Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. Welcome back to the podcast. It is I, Grognard the Young, the Young Grognard, kicking it to you live with another episode of the Beckons of the Herald of Steel campaign with the adventure, the kings, and the quest. Gore Gareth, you know what it is. You already know what all this crap is, but what you might not know is Jarzak done smacked his brother, uh, straight up killed him, and became king in the last episode during a very brutal one-on-one match, declaring himself the new king. Uh, it appears that in the, the fight, much happened, you know? Blows were traded, cheap shots were taken, but most importantly, Valaketh seemed to have picked a side. But thanks to Anton and his holy relics, he was able to defeat the strange revenant figure, the strange spectral figure of the, uh, uh, I guess, the old king, Jacquard, Jarzak's brother. Um, but at this point in time, Jarzak is being hailed as king with the party hopefully heading off to the volcano to go find the strange spooky red dragon and melt a nice slab of metal with some borderline immortal fire. Uh, Jarzak stands in the circle of his ancestors, the circle of the kings here, the field of glory, uh, and sees a crowd of orcs just sort of shouting his name in praise, disdain, and sheer awe. And at this point, we pop in and... Jarzak stands in the center with the last bits and steaming remains of his brother hitting the ground in a sopping wet noise as Anton does stands it, there Anton holding the lantern. Contend? Does Anton now contend for the throne because technically he made the killing blow? <laughs> no, he died. Everybody saw him die. His head left his body. <laughs> the was decapitation still- was Jarzak's off. <laughs> That's his calling card. He's like Aragorn. You know, people don't talk about that enough. I always bring this up. Why the hell did Aragorn in those fucking movies have to be just Captain Decapitation? Just every other kill was just lopping a head off. Like, I guess that sure did work. But like, damn, Aragorn, calm the fuck down. Just like stab a guy. Just stab him. You know, let him bleed out. Even fucking Legolas sometimes stab people with arrows. But just Aragorn's like, nah, I'm going to go full Jarzak this entire time and just lop ahead, keep it as a trophy. Well, I guess that was more Anton's deal. <laughs> Apparently. You know, our wonderful God, cleric the, of the Anton light. doesn't want that throne. Charity. I think, that, I think yeah. that throne's cursed. Well, with that in mind, here we are in the sands of the Field of Glory, 
the leftover remains still slopped on the ground, and Jarzak stands amongst the stands, seeing orcs from all over Blood Throne apparently coming and filing in here. Uh, I would say Klika and Norhill are capable of seeing from their positions up on the stands here that the Blood Throne has managed to pull quite a bit of attention. As you look over in that direction, see people pointing in awe and like freaking out and yelling about the Blood Throne in Orcish mainly, but the word you, I don't know, I guess you can understand what that word is. But as you look over, it is just like a fountain of red just gushing over the sides of the throne and people are like in disbelief over it. Obviously, there's no actual blood. It's just the stone itself sort of taking on like this red bleeding hue. But yeah, and everybody seems to be just freaking out, pointing over the fields, and there's just Jarzak standing there. So what does Jarzak do? Uh, Jarzak will... Look around, pull out his sword, raise it in the air, make a battle cry, I guess. Okay. And um, if you want to, I'll let you roll a charisma check with it. Uh, you can choose if you want to do a skill with it, though I want you to at least justify why you'd pick one of them. So if you're if you're just rolling a persuasion with it, you know, or deception. Um... Yeah, I, get, I, I would say more of a performance than anything, but uh, I, I'll just roll straight charisma. Right. It's I mean, the you same. can do persuasion to try to get them on your side or intimidate as in, yeah, you know. Oh, it, yeah, saw. no, intimidate. Yeah, I'm going to do like a fierce battle cry, I guess, as fierce as Jarzak can. I mean, hey, we got charisma. Was it an advantage, you said? Uh, I'll give you advantage. I think Anton's display and your display were enough to give the, the like, if you that's, killed him any other way. That's good, because it was real bad in the first roll. Uh, 26. You're just... <laughs> just and they're like, for Gorgaris. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, so with a 26, the crowds all come to a quiet hush as they all look down upon you standing there. And you have the floor as everybody goes dead quiet, just staring at you, covered in blood, wielding the sword of the wandering swordsman above your head. Hmm. Okay, then I guess Jarzak will... uh... I guess he'll first make his first order. I mean, what I would say is at this point, since you know that they all have the floor, from what you recall from being Gorgarethian yourself, that blood throne is calling your name. And it is the the right and the privilege to ascend the blood throne when the righteous blood of battle has been spilled. And seeing how vibrant and like blood red that throne is right now, there is no question where the blood came from for the throne. Again, I will iterate. I will repeat myself here. This is not actual blood. The stone is just like weirdly like, I don't know, like vibrant with the blood of glorious fighting. So people all just kind of stand here. And after you shout like that, 
People almost yeah. clear out a way for you to get to the throne. Yeah, I guess he'll, he'll do the battle show and then leisurely walk to the throne. Okay. What does everybody else do at this point? I imagine you would probably walk right past Anton, who's still standing there with the lantern, like, that guy's a zombie. <laughs> just whisper. I'm, I'm just curious. like. <laughs> I think I tried last time. I can't make a I can't make a check on that throne, can I? No, I mean you just kind of assume it's some sort of strange, otherworldly, magical thing or a relic of some long lost age. I just, I just don't know if it's cursed. <laughs> my first act as king is to curse myself upon the couch potato throne. Man, there's a lot of cursed chairs. Name one. The chair that was in um, World of Warcraft was cursed. The one with the Lich King. That one cursed. Hmm. I feel like the Game of Thrones throne was cursed, like in fi- like figuratively. Okay, this is what. Okay, that's where I'm calling it <laughs> stops here. Okay, you can't just say things are figuratively cursed. That's not fucking fair. But okay, so Jarzak goes walking past. Did anybody want to do anything as he's walking by? It seems like the orcs that have escorted you out here are certainly not not really sure what to do right now. Anybody? Are you all in awe as well? Uh, Norhill's going to leave the arena with Jarzak. Okay. Yeah, might Anybody as well else? follow oh, okay. along, I guess. Yeah, I think I think Anton's just gonna make sure like that like is there anything left of like um his brother's remains or is it all just dust at this point? That's the fucky part. As Jarzak leaves the arena, it's as if the remains slowly recede into the dust and the bones and everything rapidly age and dissipate leaving behind only the gear that was there on his body. The chains just sink into the sands, and his belt also just kind of sinks into it. So is that stuff like not lo- no longer like accessible? Like, should I grab it for Jarzak to... If you were to step out into that field, oh, I... you would be <laughs> torn to shreds. <laughs> oh, never mind. It's like that Futurama episode. To shreds, you say. <laughs> okay, I think he'll just watch that and then he'll he'll head back around the crowd, but he just he just wants to go find his, his, his the rest of his family in glory wait for glory week's sake. So he's just like chop chop. We got business to do. Yeah, and just to sort of put kind of a bookend on the uh, the fields of glory there. The, the sands and all the gear out there, judging by like the gear, what you can see, I mean, much of it looks like it could be magical. Much of it looks like it could be super duper magical. But the thing is, is that it's so aged by the process of sitting there and the spirits watching over it that it, it seems like a cultural faux pas to even consider taking it from there. Almost as if there's a respect to having once become king through the same exact act as everybody before you. That like those were the tools of your trade. Those were sort of your claim to the throne was how you used those items. You know what I'm saying? 
if Jarzak were to claim them, it would be seen as sort of like a very unfair and very like, you know what I I mean? Your first act as king is I assume it's also like if you did be the person and become king, why would you want the gear of the weak person that died to your hand? (laughs) Gotta get the no upgrade, dang it. I saw somebody roast somebody online the other day. I'm saying this. I'm cutting it in a second. But somebody said, your man's looks like he drops common loot when he dies. And I (laughs) I heard that and I was like, that's a pretty decent roast, right? But with that in mind, uh, so Jarzak leading the small entourage, um, uh, they, they walk over to the raised dais where the throne is and Jarzak... I will say that once you step on the first layer of the platform, the first raise of stairs, I mean, it feels like the throne is sort of like gushing blood in a tempo as if there's almost like a rhythm of the blood pouring over this thing. And you recognize for a moment that as you're approaching it, that rhythm is the same as your own heartbeat. Mm. Wow, this is the sickest thing I've ever ever come across. <laughs> as I keep walking. Okay. And as you ascend the top platform where nobody stands, and it's plain flat marble here, the throne waits, and I don't know, do you choose to sit upon the blood throne? Yep. Okay. So as you sit upon the blood throne, you feel yourself become sort of one with the actual throne itself. And for a moment, you feel this like intense lethargy, this strange sense of dropping as if sort of like letting out your parachute as you fall, where you feel this immense weightlessness as you sit there. But all of a sudden it catches and you feel yourself adhere to the throne in a very strange way. And for just a moment, just a moment, you feel literally like the weight of the world upon your shoulders, but it seems to almost calcify and sort of like sort of iron up your own spine and as you sit there entrenched in this feeling of burden and weightlessness you become sort of one with the throne you are fully revitalized to full hp in case you lost any of it and at this point in time as you sit upon the throne it feels like your spirit has been sort of rejuvenated so any cursed items you might have upon your body become uncursed uh okay would it have healed under the gauntlet too or no well Jarzak takes the gauntlet off okay as you begin to remove the gauntlet you can see underneath what looks to be a sort of horrific looking wound as if much of the muscle and skin have been peeled off your arm, but you see very simple vascular beds kind of wrapped around muscle uh, around the, uh, the bones of your, your forearm that are exposed. And it seems as if sitting upon this throw and revitalizing your, your body here, it seems like if you wanted to, you could remove the gauntlet. But you recognize as you like peel the gauntlet back and you hold it, it's not cold anymore. And the gauntlet just feels body temp. 
Yeah, so he'll go to start to slide it off, see that, and then just put it back in its place. Okay. And Thinking, you guys see... just thinking, how else am I going to talk to kick the click if I don't have this? <laughs> it just removes all the effect. Um, but as you sit there, everybody in attendance sort of notices that much of the, the whole settlement of Blood Throne seems to be kind of coming over here to this raised platform and circling around it. But one tall and very imposing figure standing above the rest starts to walk up the stairs and reaches the top platform, but does not step upon it. Almost as if like it, it as if it's just like a bed of lava or something like that. And he gets super close and just kneels upon the top stair. And this guy you recognize from your own childhood is a person you have not seen in, in a long, long time. Um, as you got older, you know, in Gorgareth, he was busy doing other things like, you know, making something of himself as a head of sort of a, a mercenary war band. Uh, his name is Agarak and Agarak kneels at the top and under his breath, noticing everybody in the crowd went quiet once he ascended because there's only one reason why he would go so quickly to go be in attendance at, at your, uh, at your throne. And as soon as he reaches up here in a hushed voice, he looks to you with a look of almost like lunacy as if like, like what the hell is going on here? And he looks over at you and with a very sharp but stoic look, he says, why shouldn't I challenge you to the throne right now? Agarath, you could, and then you'd end up like my brother. And you're worth more than that. And he says, I could be worth much more. I could kill you. I could kill you easily. I could have killed your foolish brother too. But he had that strange madness about him. He was unpredictable. You, I can see right through. Tell me why yeah. any one of us shouldn't make the move. He lift your head from your shoulders too. My brother had an evil God helping him. Who's helping you? I, I guess his eyebrows just kind of lift very quickly at this like weird turn where he's like, Am I being accused of something? All of a sudden he's just like looks shoulder to shoulder, like, uh, and he just says. I have the strength of my metal and <laughs> I have the honor of my people. That you do, but that won't get you very far. Not not with me. And so with that, he says, what rights and deeds do you hold? What is it you claim to be your successes, your glory? I see blood upon the throne. But this is the only blood anyone has seen of Jarzak. Yeah. I defeated the king. You haven't done that yet. Yet. <laughs> what else? What more do you need as an orc? And he says, your brother did many things. He battled many foes as he sort of looks over his shoulder down at Anton, who's looking nervously amongst the crowd, looking for any sign of where his people might be. And he says, and he was very firm about enemies. 
And I've killed a dragon. Don't think he's done that. And so he just kind of blinks at this. Then he just kind of says, you killed a dragon? Yeah, that's what I said. And that he kind of looks side to side again and he says, which other deeds have you accomplished? Pulls out the old character sheet. You yep. know. Oh, let me do Back some research real quick. Six. Uh, <laughs> all of a sudden the campaign is a blur he's like oh, uh, oh uh, uh, I mean I imagine Jarzak probably brings up the Aboleth probably brings up fighting the forces of the the deceiver and of the Herald of Steel Jarzak you for know? sure would yeah <laughs> you know I'd hope he would probably mentions fighting off our friend Felier the spider Fighting off the uh, aspect of it, you know, maybe. Yep. Yeah, all that. That you, sounds great. The bestial king, the elven one there. After oh, fighting yeah, that was all a good these... one. Yeah, that was a good one. I even became, I even <laughs> became an elf for a day. <laughs> People gasp. Yeah. Just, <gasps> He's not really an orc. <laughs> just, just more hill. It's true. It was awful. <laughs> but with that, they say, you have to understand, we have not seen these deeds. And the only ones who can verify it are your friends. And your friends, as you go, as he looks back down the, uh, the stairs and you as well, you see everybody's still standing around. Kleeka, Norhill, and Anton are all just staring at them every once in a while and then looking back up there like, is this where we are now? <laughs> but as they do, uh, Agarak says, they're not trustworthy people. They do not live as honorably as we do. It is hard to trust friends as yours. They're pretty trustworthy. Sounds like someone a liar would say, but... Um, oh, yikes. <laughs> with that, he says, if you are to be king... And you are to lead us anywhere. I think it is best that I help advise you. As leader of the war band. And having served for the king before your brother. I've seen many things. And I've seen what goes to a good king. And what goes to a bad king. I would recommend. You speak to your people. In less than an hour's time. Tell them what your decree is. Tell them your orders. Tell them why and leave it be. Hey, Agarath, of course I'll let you advise me. What would you do if you were king, though? What would I do? Yeah. I would remove the scars and the curses that your putrid brother had left upon us by gathering the human scum from Glory Wake as a silly trinket, a prize for the Herald of Steel. Yeah, the Herald of Steel will kill us all then. If you wish to be the king, you must act like it. 
if you wish to lead the people of Gorgareth, you must go to war. But I can't say that you'll come back from this alive. Maybe your reign as king will be one of the shortest. But we don't live for lifespan. We're not here for longevity. We are here for glory. Why, why would I want to be all old when I die? That's the, I'll be so weak. It's disgusting. As he has trouble lifting up his own gauntlet. <laughs> and with that, he stands up, turns tail, and starts heading back down the stairs. And people begin to rabble-rouse amongst themselves. So... Uh- Jarzak's gonna wave his crew up to him. Okay. Does anybody have anything particular they're gonna do when they get up there? Or how they're gonna approach? Anybody want to touch the uh, the blood throw? <laughs> just slurps yeah. all the blood out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like uh, no, just... Noahville will uh, get up there and breed Jarzak as an equal. Man. Ooh, Norhill ascends to the top floor. Yeah, uh, uh, announcing himself, um, you know, uh, by all of his names and titles. Do any of the orcs react to him coming up to the top? No, hearing him name out all these titles and everything seems to establish his credibility. And people start to look kind of confused, mainly because most of them only speak orcish. But a lot of it is because, like, they hear all these titles tossed back and forth here, and they're just... I don't know, I guess kind of surprised to hear that Norhill had been king all along. And so at this point, they, I don't know, look a little bit surprised. But what about Klika and Anton? Klika will approach up to Jarzak like normal. Mm-hmm. And the crowd waits quietly as you do. Like a formal, use titles, big words. Liko thinks back to all the times she had to mend all the stains off your stupid shirt. <laughs> yeah. Formality. Klika just looks at the crowd and says, Hi, I'm Klika. People look very confused and puzzled. Some of them look like they might know you from somewhere. But, um, yeah. What about Anton? Anton's just getting really anxious. He's like trying really hard to be happy for Jarzak, but he's more like, I gotta find, I gotta find them. Jarzak can probably read that upon your face. Yeah. Like he doesn't really know how to express it, but he's like getting really anxious about it. Yeah, Anton, we gotta do, do things at the right time. Or else we're gonna have a lot of angry orcs. Just Anton's people imprisoned underground, a <laughs> hundred feet from where you're standing. It's like we gotta wait this one out a little bit. He's just gonna. Okay. He's just gonna sit there, struggling. That's all. Yeah, hey, uh, guys. So I'm gonna have to give a speech here. Oh, 
Uh, I'm leaving the throne to help you with the dragon, right? Like, I hope so. Sex, like, I did my part. I killed my fucking brother. You people dragged me here. <laughs> you go see the dragon. We <laughs> would be very grateful for your help. Yeah, no, no. So, Norhill, uh, you in particular have the most experience with this. Uh, how do I leave someone in charge without giving them the throne? I'm afraid that I don't know your traditions. A king of the dwarves is a judge. Uh, he, he educates uh, disagreements, and our traditions and histories fill in everything else. Uh, yeah, king of the orcs is the best at you know slaughter, so it's a little different. I mean, having well, somebody act as... Someone who you can trust to keep the peace. I don't... Uh, but someone who you also know for a fact will never reach up to strike against you. I mean, you also have to put into perspective what your next move is. If the orcs are going to just stay here and hang out on their island forever, yeah, it might be difficult to, to rule from afar. Yeah. But it kind of sounds like with the Herald of Steel taking over Amaroth, and the orcs being just sitting ducks waiting for their turn. You might not have to be too far away from your people. And that's where somebody like Agarak being, you know, a mercenary warband leader might make for a good general. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, man. Being king is tough. I don't know how you do this, Norhill. It is a difficult load to bear, and yet someone must. Okay, and with that, I think it's almost time for Jarzak to address the people. I imagine he didn't even wait more than 10 minutes. Yeah. I can picture Jarzak being too anxious about it and just, uh, uh, it's Taco Tuesday. Uh, but okay. And you can just give us the, the liner notes for the thing. I'm not going to make you give a speech. Oh, thank God. Oh, geez. Just speak for the whole Jarzak. Jarzak wasn't the only nervous one. <laughs> uh, so Jarzak's gonna essentially like uh, list out his companions and who he's with, and that he's al- like allied to the King of the Dwarfs, working with the Child of Destiny. And the Lightbringer, and wants to rally the people to fight the Herald of Steel. Well, I will say the immediate response people have is pretty questionable, but I'm going to let you roll one of your charisma checks to be able to help 
sort of grease this move here. Be like, hey, everybody, my name is Jarzak. This is my friends. Uh, we going to war with insurmountable odds. Good luck. Have fun. Uh, 16 persuasion. Boy. And so with that, I rolled real look, low. Yeah, I was going to say, people look back and forth, and they look very... Com- well, are you upon the throne? Yeah. You get advantage while upon the throne. Well, I rolled another oh. four. So 16 again. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, played. Okay. And very good. So with that, yeah, you sit upon the throne and start barking this order out, and people look all kinds of confused and look kind of upset with this turn of events. So having heard this note, what would you like to do for a social check to kind of rein them in? What's your second line on this? Uh, He'll mention that his brother was just going to essentially feed all the people to the Herald of Steel, and being here, we're just waiting for our turn to die. Was this a deception or persuasion? The persuasion, because we... Uh, the Herald of Steel, I assume, is going to want to take over the world, right? Sure, but you know. he was more than willing to cooperate with certain people. So your brother may have been full-blown ready to cooperate mode and just be like, here's my people. I want to be a god too. Thank you, please. So yeah. that line about feeding everybody, it could be true. Or you could lean into it and try to juice it up and be like, I heard him before he died. <laughs> like he told me on his deathbed. Well, he did say that <laughs> he was just going to sacrifice his people to become a god, like the Herald. <laughs> okay, so what is it going to be? Another another persuasion? persuasion or are you going to yeah. intimidate the people? Uh, persuasion. Okay. Soft-ass king over here. Fuck it. Intimidate. Let's go. It's a riot. <laughs> Be like, uh, fuck you, bitch. We're going to war. 27? Okay. Intimidate? So what, is, what does an intimidating Jarzak look like when he mentions this? God. I don't know. That's why it was going to be Persuasion. Well, I mean, it doesn't have to be you standing up and waggling a fist around, but it could just be the tone of voice you take. I mean, you were saying that he was basically going to feed the people to the Herald of Steel to save his own butt. Yeah. I mean, how can you make that sound intimidating? Like, you have two choices, motherfuckers. You could do what he said and bend down and die, or you could follow me. And he's like, and fight for and your then life. Die. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so with that sort of very, th- maybe you just do a very threatening eyebrow movement at the ending. And just like, you have two choices. You just bob your eyebrows a bunch and they're like, oh crap, he means business. That's so threatening. And so with that, the people are kind of receptive to a strong hand at this point in leadership. And as you blurt this out in a very threatening way, people sort of start to look back and forth at each other and then up to you. And it seems people are more eager to believe that their past king was actually a complete a-hole and you've taken over and you're like, listen, bitches, okay? I'm in charge now, okay? And so as they sort of give you more of an ear, what would you like to do for a a charisma check to sort of crescendo this and do a call to action? Deception. 
we can't lose. Yeah. <laughs> I have seen the end of times. We did pretty good. So we need everyone's help who can fight. Anyone who can wield a weapon. We'll need your strength. Jarzak just rips off the inspiring speech from Independence Day. Uh, not 20. 28 okay. total. So that people start to, to hoot, holler, and cheer. And a small riot-ish kind of moshing breaks out in the front as people start getting enraged, happy to finally be going off and doing something with their lives rather than just guard duty over Anton's extended family. And with that, people start just like picking up weapons and running around the streets, hooting and hollering the name of Jarzak. Now, what is the name, the title of Jarzak as king? That's a good question. That is a good question. How do the name titles usually work in marks? Like Jarzak the Exiled? I mean, your brother was known as the Revenant because he came back from assumed <laughs> death to assume the throne. But Jarzak the Exiled is the only thing that comes to mind for me is that you were banished and then turned up again. Like, yeah, I know I'm not allowed to be here. Then your brother gave you the plus one and then you killed him. But, you know. Uh, <laughs> the Exiled spy. I mean, whatever you want to do. I mean, you've got time. You're king. And so with that, People spare no time before they start chanting your name, giving various titles. That title coming up. Um, and yeah, people are just bumping around, hooting and hollering. And in all of this disarray and chaos, I imagine Anton probably turns back to Jarzak again. Jarzak, seeing all of what he's in charge in, looks over at Anton and sees his little puppy dog face. Stop, stop pouting. <laughs> we got to be strong. Anton starts scratching at your door while it's closed. <laughs> You're like, stop it! It stops, and then just... You're like, cut the shit. But, That's why you open the uh, door and scream as loud as you can. <laughs> Trust me, that will get the cat to stop. I've done it. It works. That's not nice. That cat deserved to be in there. But anyway, no, it didn't. <laughs> well, this is, this is a cat-friendly podcast. Not um, anymore. <laughs> okay. I have no control. Um, so with that, uh, yeah. So what is, what's going on between Jarzak and Anton at this point? Uh, Jarzak's gonna call over a couple of orcs who look like they're maybe more in charge, know what's going on, more geared yeah, up. I imagine Agarak. Agarak could probably help out with this. Yeah, that's fine. He'll call Agarath over. So Agarak assumes uh, a position at the top stair, not coming up where you and your friends are. And he says, what do you request of me? The people of Glory Wake. We need to release them so they can aid us. He sort of lifts an eyebrow and he says, you realize how dangerous a move this is. Our people have fought with theirs for hundreds of years. This is not something that we're simply going to forget about because you're in charge. Do, do you want the orcs to be first to face the Herald, or do you want a line of protection? So, uh, Anton. Yeah. 
uh, first line of protection. How do you feel about this? <laughs> no comment. Jarzak is lying, but I don't know if Anton would pick up on that. Can he pick up on I'm, that, actually? Can I? Is, is... I mean, <laughs> you're standing right there. I mean, I'd imagine you'd probably assume Jarzak is lying just because that's what he does. Yeah. Jarzak likes the high priest. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, I think Anson's more just, he's going to wait for more of an appropriate moment to be like, what are the details of this protection? I need, I need, a, I need a fine contract here. Can I get a deception check from Jarzak? Uh, 24. Okay. And as you lie to this to this orc here, um, you feel for the first time in a long time a strange twinge in your heart. As if your body sort of is reacting <laughs> fuck, to a deception in a way that doesn't feel like exhilarating and kind as if you were for the first time in a long time i'm not even saying this as a joke like you feel the conscious like i don't know like the feeling of lying to somebody where like it affects you that twinge right and as you say it to this orc you again feel deception not as a tool but as like one person to another person all of a sudden and agarak looks to you has a cruel look come over his face and then he looks over at Anton and in Orcish he replies they will fight well. They put up a good fight in Glory Wake and I'm sure they will make excellent fodder. Jarzak will continue talking in Orcish and be like yeah, they also have great healers so we might not put all of them in the front line. <laughs> Just feeling slightly bad about lying to him before. <laughs> Kliga gives Jarzak a thumbs up. <laughs> but, okay. And so with that, Agarak says, it will not be easy, but I will round up a troop of my men. We will bring some of the siege equipment and we will move the boulder. The boulder? You, you put them there? Your brother was very particular about keeping them underneath the city. Yeah. keeping them so only one single pinhole of light could penetrate the darkness of their housing and he kept them there for weeks oh they're gonna be in rough shape okay and so with that Agarak is off to go do this um, so I guess my question is is everybody gonna follow or I imagine Anton's gonna be following but I mean, do I understand everything that's going on since technically they're speaking Norkish? No, but you heard the first half, it was in common. And then once Charzak made a very inappropriate comment, you could see them snickering and speaking in Orkish, and then Klika looked over and gave a thumbs up. So whatever happened, you were not in the loop, but Klika hey, was. Klika approved, so. <laughs> Norhill's not exactly going to go off on his own in blood throat, so Norhill's going to stick with Charzak. Yeah, Anton's going to start heading in the direction where they are hoping that he can 
be with his people once more. So, oh, with that, Agarak uh, assembles a troop of men and they head over to this gigantic boulder that very clearly was lifted using like a siege crane and it was just plopped over a cave mouth on the side of the uh, the, the large landing where the civilization is. It looks almost like it might have been like an old mining site or something, but judging by the size of the cave mouth, it's more likely the case that there used to be like a grotto or a natural well down there. And as the siege equipment is brought out and assembled over the process of like an hour or two, the boulder is laboriously moved, lifted, and pulled away. And as the light, the last light of day bleeds into the chamber, you can see this giant cave that kind of extends back a few hundred feet. And within is just like packed like sardines, just hundreds of humans from Glory Wake. And many of them just wearing like rags, tattered clothing, whatever can be assembled. But most of them look well emaciated, very haggard and filthy. And a few of them seem to be still wearing priestly garb. Um, But as the stone's lifted, people look in panic and in fear at the orcs who have moved the boulder. And the orcs who sort of go over to the cave mouth to keep them kind of in check in here are all well-armed and start to kind of like push them back with spears pointed at them. So what would you guys like to do now? It's a kind of, he kind of staggers a little like in fright. And when he sees those orcs like shoving him back, he's going to run up and try to shove them out of the way. Be like, what are you doing? Jarzak's going to try to stop Anton from shoving the orcs. And I imagine Anton does get away with shoving a couple of them to get in there. And in the the chaos of all of it, Jarzak's barely able to get the orcs to stop from going after Anton. Um, But Anton rushes into the mass of his people and people recognize him as the light bringer and recognize him from uh, Glory Wake, the temple and just being a local. And so people look at him with a look of astonishment. Uh, borderline terror seeing him show up here with the orcs and everything and just everybody's very very confused i will say you guys coming riding in on an inflatable ship airplane thing certainly was not expected by literally anybody so every encounter you have on this island has been pretty much the same level of like what the hell but as anton rushes in people start crying and weeping as the stone is moved not sure what this means but sure that something is about to happen so what does Uh, anton do well, Jarzak's going to shout into the cave. There's a new ruler on the blood throne. I have brought the Lightbringer, and we're here to set you free. And people, again, are very confused by this and look all over the place. But as Anton rushes in with the lantern and everything, people begin to cry and cheer. And the sounds of sort of relief and salvation echo through the caverns here. A, a sort of deafening roar of people cheering. And Anton can tell as he rushes in here and meets all the people that there is indeed one single beam of light that shoots down through a hole in the ceiling in the back of the cave. And from where you're standing, you can see that it ends at sort of one of the higher points. Um, and yeah, there seem to be a few people in the back that are sort of, instead of coming to the front, standing by the light still. And that same magnetism you felt before when you were looking at Eris setting, you instead feel it while looking over here at the light. Almost as if the metaphor of pure darkness surrounding this one single pinhole of light jutting down like a stage light 
you feel like there's something being pointed out to you specifically? Oh, that's a good point. Okay. And as you shove your way through, people try to stop you and hug you and kiss you and all this stuff, being so happy to have you finally have made your, you know, I don't know, second appearance, I guess. Um, And as you come rushing into this place, uh, running to the back, you can tell that many of the people who are over here aren't even facing in that direction and only facing the direction as your heavy boot falls and everything seems to clack and clamor over the stone ground. And you notice as you run through here, all like the, the small cots and beds that have been set up and all the refuse that's left behind from eating scraps and whatnot. But as you make it to the back, you can see a group of what appear to be priests circling somebody directly under the light and once you get closer you recognize one person who's leaning over um kneeling in the light directly seems to be potentially the high priest and standing directly behind him with one arm on his shoulder and the other arm nearly non-existent it seems like shereel seems to be standing over him and as you approach closely quietly and calmly shereel turns over shoulder And he looks in your direction and he says, I don't know how, but he knew you were here. He he doesn't have much time. And you see Thrail is just kneeling, hands pressed and staring up at the light with his eyes like tiny little pinholes for pupils as he stares up into the light of day. And he's completely bathed in it as if absorbing all of the light pouring down on him. And without even looking in your direction, he removes his clasped hands and puts them down on his knees. And without looking at you at all, he says, the light bringer has arrived. So what would you like to do, Ant? I think Anton just goes up to him and when he looks toward that pinpoint of light, like it's just a little hole in the cave. As you approach and get a better look, uh, the high priest Thrail does not look like long for this world. He has just very, very gaunt features. He is super pale. His skin is ragged and the bag was under his eyes and everything just look really pathetic. Like he just, he looks like he is not doing well at all. And as he sits there sort of shambling and shaking, even trying to hold his own body weight up, he cracks a small wry smile and he says, I still remember when you first arrived at the church. I remember you were, had such spirit for a baby boy. You were a beautiful child and you had a beautiful soul. We all knew it. The Illuminator brought you to us. And he's brought you back to save us. Yes. Yes, he has. But putting as gently as he can a hand on like Thrill's shoulder and then another hand on his hand, he's like, if you must rest, rest. Leave the rest to me. And so he puts one hand on top of your hand. And you can tell as he turns towards you very slow and laboriously, he looks to you with his eyes and you recognize 
that he is absolutely blind. And as you judge from the way his eyes don't look at you like at all, he hasn't seen anything, not the light, not anybody around him. And as he looks dead in your direction, he says, I'm afraid my next rest will be my last. I've stayed by my people as long as I could. The Illuminator told me I knew you would be here soon. And I held on as long as I could, as promised to my people. I'm afraid I'm not long for this realm. I feel myself being pulled to the light. The Illuminator calls to me. I've done everything I can. You've done everything you should and more. Go rest now in peace. Please. And as he puts a hand on top of yours, he says, your parents would be very proud. They loved you very much, Anton. They loved you very much. And with that, he kind of closes his eyes and kind of begins to sort of sigh over a little bit. And Shereel steps forward and kind of catches him under his arms. And with that, the high priest opens his eyes one little bit, one last time. And he says, they loved you. And he just is gone. And that Shereel looks over at you and he just gives you sort of a look as if like, uh, and he looks back down to the high priest. And as you can see, the sun begins to set and the light filtering through that pinhole slowly washes past his form. And the only light within this back part of the cave is that of the lantern, which seems to almost ceremoniously on its own illuminate over his fallen body. And within the cave is absolute silence. No one says a word, not a member of the Glorywake community, not an orc of Gorgareth, not a single mouse, not a single bat. And absolute silence bathes the cave. I'm gonna... I'm trying to remember the name of the spell, the one that keeps a body from decomposing. Gentle repose. Yeah, gentle repose. Yeah, you know, I don't have that prepared. Do I don't have that prepared though, do I? I mean, you also have a giant group of priests of your order here that are all well enough capable. Shereel himself is probably capable of helping out with that, but Yeah, I think I think the first thing Anton gives a moment sign says we must prepare him. The kind of turning back toward the entrance he says we leave for our homeland now with that Shereel just kind of like reaches over to you and he says I, I, I'm sorry home? We have no home they destroyed everything and not to mention we all know what's back there These people, we don't even we don't even have a leader. We don't follow the queen. We're not even of Amaroth anymore. 
for what it's worth, the high priest died a very unliked man by many. You weren't here, but when he declared our sovereignty and he declared us the theocracy of Glory Wake, many thought that he was mad. Many don't believe that anything is wrong with the queen. And at this point, they thought he was just a, a, a lunatic, a, a, crazy, a crazed old man who thought that this was the way to go. Unfortunately, I don't think many will be happy to return home. And I think even less are even aware of what dangers await us there. But the people need some sort of a leader. And you're the closest thing that we have to that. As he kind of looks around the cave and he says, we have many priests and clerics among us, but none of them wield a lantern. You are the only one who has been declared a light bringer. I think you're the closest thing to a leadership that we have. Lead. Glory hmm? Week is my home. I'm going to bring it back. I'm not going to let my people fade away in, a, in this cave. They're leaving. And with that, he just kind of you know, sort of nods with this, almost having, like, being almost forced to agree with it, and he kind of just nods really quickly, and he just, like, right, right, yes, right. As if, like, 20 minutes ago, that boulder was still there, and they were all gonna die. And then all of a sudden, you pop in, the high priest dies, and it's like, time to go home. <laughs> it's like, okie dokie, then. I guess I gotta pack up my stuff. But with that, the uh, Shereel looks to you, and then looks to everybody else. And as you turn to the high priest, I imagine, is there anything else you'd like to do before you start walking out of the cave to meet with everybody at the entrance? And I think we did everything we could to prepare like the body, like making sure like there's spell protective spells on it, maybe. Yeah, I mean, in, in my mind, I mean, this is all happening five minutes after he's died. Yeah. Oh. With that, people have already given you your space well enough. But yeah. So as you give sort of some orders for preserving the body and turn to go and talk to the rest of the group, um, as you start heading away, Shereel, you can hear him even stand up to his feet and he shouts out over the cave and he says, All hail, High Priest Anton of Glory Wake, the light bringer, theocrat and lord of Glory Wake. That people sort of look dumbfounded and hearing the echoing voice echo ringing through the chamber. Some people start to rabble amongst themselves and twice loud. Shereel yells out again. I said, hail the high priest. He, he Anton, Anton raises his hand against him. He says. Well, that another voice echoes from the chamber, perhaps a priest, perhaps somebody who knew you from childhood. And they yell out. Hail, the Lightbringer King. And somebody on the other side yells out, Hail, the Theocrat. And before you know it, the cacophony of people rabbling, sometimes yelling, almost like a, like the sound of popcorn as like the occasional pop burst, pop burst of people shouting above the rabble. Finally, people start to, in unison, shout out, Hails to your name. It seems really upset. 
No, he kind of like clenches his fists and he kind of yells out, no. I am to lead you to freedom out of this, this pit of hell. But I will lead you to a freedom where you choose what you want. Our people have been put through many trials and tribulations since everything that's happened back on Amaroth. I will lead you to freedom. I will lead you to a safe haven, but if a new leader must be chosen after, then you have the freedom to choose. I will not tell you what to do, but I will not let you die in the dark. I will bring you to the light. Beyond that, I will not control the, your destinies, but I will not that let this fate somebody, be yours. Somebody yells out from the back, and they say, but you are our savior. Let me finish shaving you first. Let me finish shaving you first. Once you are saved, truly saved, then we will have that next decision. But now, no, we are not entirely saved yet. There are many dangers out there. And I will do everything in my power and the Illuminator's power to get us back home, to get us back to a better place than Glorywick has ever been before. That I will promise you. That people are, are happy to hear stories of salvation, hear claims of it, but people are also very confused. And you can see amongst the group as you... I don't, I don't know how Anton leaves the room at this point, but walking through the hundreds of feet of the cave past all the people, I mean, you can tell there's a lot of heartbreak on people's faces. And you can tell that a lot of people look very dismayed by this turn of events, as if they saw salvation walk through the door and then it was decreed that you were in charge. And then you give them that speech. And as you're walking out, you can tell people are like, I don't want to say accustomed to this kind of feeling. But it's a very realistic answer. You know what I mean? And I imagine it probably comes from a place of Anton having lost a lot and having to deal with so much unpredictability and having to deal with so many shitty leaders that Anton probably is like very, uh, I can't remember the word for it just very uh, jaded by the concept of being in charge or anybody being in charge for that matter. But I will say, I think the one most heartbroken person was Shereel. And when you turn to him to say no, first and foremost, you saw his spirit break sort of harder than most. And it kind of takes you back, I hope, Anton, a little bit to the day's back in Cooperford where you remember saving his life and him fighting for the people of glory wake, losing his arm and all this stuff and how you've seen his spiritual sort of rejuvenation as a cultist turned, you know, priest now turned to whatever he was to the high priest. It's almost as if you were always his leader, even if from afar and you helped to guide his spiritual journey and I imagine Anton has a moment to sort of like sense that and reflect on it as he walks out of the cave. 
I guess the first thing he'll do is kind of ask he's getting ready. I think he's gonna ask Cherise, like, Cherise, what is our current condition? Food, health. I don't know what we're gonna face with the orcs and beyond. I wanna make sure my people are safe in the most sustainable way. I, more than we need to prepare food, water. Kirill points to the hole and then he points to a small wooden pallet at the bottom covered in clay jugs, clay pots, and empty sacks. And he says, we were fed barely enough to survive. And that was given to us once daily. If they are not going to feed us, we will die. But with the new king, I'm assuming we will not be forced to such a fate. No, we will not. And it's going to make a quick pause. And I'm just trying to see how long it takes. I want to cast the uh, create food and water. I don't know how long it actually takes. That takes um. That only takes an action. God damn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna make a pause. He says. Let everyone rest. I need to negotiate our travel out of here because we are getting out of here. I will say, I know that maybe the cave description here has not been like with utter detail, but it definitely seems like there's at least, at least 800 people packed into this cave. Like this is a massive tunnel and it is packed. So if that food and water thing was going to be used, it will be very difficult to feed around 800 people. He's going to try to prepare as much as he can in one day, which is actually... Anton's buffet. All right. Uh, One second. And so... Uh... The one casting of create food and water feeds 50 people. I can cast it three times a day. I don't think I could cast it at fourth level. No. Cast Nobody it three can times sacrifice higher levels for that, right? Yeah, you just oh. don't yeah, you just don't get more for using high level higher level spell slots. Yeah, right, right. I was gonna cast three third levels so far, just in case we get a weird situation and need a fourth level spell. Like, All right, well, you make enough to feed about a, a quarter of the people within. And the people who um, sort of circle you as you make these these giant piles of food here, um, Shereel turns to you and says, well, who is supposed to eat and who is not? Um, actually, uh, more information now that I'm really looking at it. It says 15 humanoids for 24 hours, so that's three meals for 15 people, presumably. 450 so, meals total if we're casting it for, you said 50 or 15? Uh, so 15 for 24 hours. Oh. So. Oh, so it's still I 15. Assume, so I assume that's the equivalent of three meals if it's feeding them for a full day. Right. So it's still basically 50 because it's 45 people at that point. So yeah, still a quarter. So the question still remains for, for Anton, or at least Shereel posits it to you and asks, 
who gets to eat and who doesn't. Jarzak would have also uh, already have turned to uh, Agarak. And in Orkish, when they started ch- chanting, he would have said in Orkish, he's like, oh, humans. And then he would have been like, do we have food for the- these people? I assume they haven't been fed well. And Agarak says, are you suggesting that we dip into our own reserves of food to feed these people? A minimal amount. And do we have ships to send them back to the mainland? And he says, we have the food and we have the ships. But if we're riding these ships across the ocean, we are sending our own war parties. If you keep your people waiting and offer oh. luxuries to our well, prisoners, we would be going up to welcome back. We would be going at the same time. I just want to make sure we still have the ships that got them here. Don't know how much mm. you lost in that, you know, taking glory wake. He kind of smirks to himself and he says, Humans, they put <laughs> up a good fight. Did they? At Glory Wake? Yeah, somehow they had our battle plans. I don't know how they knew where we were going to be striking, but... And Jarzak gets a moment where he thinks back to the battle plans he found at that little orc camp. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I wonder who Cle- gave the Clever plan. humans. Jarzak <laughs> <laughs> uh, really is playing both sides, huh? <laughs> but yeah okay and so with that um okay as Anton doles out the big piles of food and many begin to approach and start to grab for food sort of letting the uh, societal selection take place where people naturally allow the weakest and the most um underfed to go up and eat first um in that time uh, Agarax men uh, under the direction of Jarzak, begin to bring in food as well. Not as good as what Anton's prepared and provided, but many of the humans look, I don't know how to say this, uh, skeptical, I guess would be the word for it, when they see Agarak's men bringing in big giant piles of food for them to eat. And many of the orcs look very upset to be doing so. But as the people begin to eat at Anton's buffets here, um, many of the people turn to Anton and give him a very sincere look of gratitude and thanks and nod. And some people culturally mention things like light be with you and sort of say to you praises that they would say to a religious and holy figure. He just gives gives solemn nods. And he just kind of whatever he can. He gets he keeps an eye on Jarzak because he's he's not sure how this is going to end up. He he's ex, he's expecting opposition. Would Jarzak see how the people were looking at the orcs bringing them food? Yeah, I assume so. Okay, the when they get back out of the cave, he's gonna say an orcish again to Agarak. Yeah, I think that's all the food they need. They don't seem to want our help. 
No, I mean, obviously, they're they're fine to receive it. These are the people that have been feeding them for months now. But it's just that feeling of like, oh, now we're getting like 10 times as much food. <laughs> like with the new guy who opened <laughs> well, up the yeah. locked door and they're like, what's going on here? So they'll eat it, but they definitely looked very confused by this sudden change of orcish heart. Again, this all occurred within like the past six hours that all of a sudden we have a new king and we're feeding oh, the yeah. prisoners. Jarzak also doesn't want the orcs to think that he wants to just feed them till they're like fat and happy. So, yeah. So okay. he's, yeah. And so with that, as Anton sort of oversees the last stages of the buffet here, uh, Shereel approaches him again. And he looks very sad and he turns to Anton and apologizes as he says, I didn't mean to, to draw attention to you and I didn't mean to impose by suggesting it, but I guess the title only seems right. I can't imagine anybody else would lead us. And I don't know if you know much about the way of politics. My unfortunate experience as leader has been over a small group of well, anyway, if these people don't have a leader, they will not go anywhere. They need at least some sense of direction, Anton. I don't say this to you as a superior. I don't say this even as an equal. I say this as one who heard the last ramblings of the high priest. I don't know what you had done in the time since we've last seen you. But he's told stories of Saint Anton. And the people have grown to know you as such. So perhaps the people thought the end of times was near as the Saint Anton himself approached through the cave. But I think you might be the only leadership they know. And to offer them no leadership at this point, just... I don't know. I'm sure the people can do well enough with what direction we can provide, but without the high priest and with so many of our order, well, gone, it's going to be hard to accomplish anything. I just oh. implore you to, to consider. I know it's difficult to imagine this, but you may be our only hope. I clearly am your only hope. For now, I will lead the people. I will lead us to a better place, as I've said. I, I do not doubt that. But from all the turmoil, I, I can't even, you'll have to, we'll have to find true time to speak of this. I don't know everything of what Gloria Week has been to. I've only, since my travels, they only know me as, as you've said, a figure of tales. They don't know me as an actual person. I want to avoid raising their hopes in someone who may not meet all of their expectations, and I want to avoid leading them down a path that the high priest may have seen was good at one some point and actually was not. 
the world is changing very much out there, Cherise. I don't, I don't know what state Amaroth is even in now, but the only thing I can do right now is simply find out and try to keep our hope up and just try to get us out of this place. I, I do need to make some changes though. As much as I loathe the orcs for what has been done here, hatred will give us nothing. I need to work with Jarzak. This might be a chance that we've never had before. If we can come to some form of peace, some form of agreement that maybe when we're back in our own land, when Gorgaris is here, any great bouts of hatred, any great bouts of control can hopefully fade away with time. With it, Shereel kind of adjusts his stance and he says, forgive me if I sound arrogant for bringing this up or, or addressing it in, in such a way, but you mentioned long-standing hatred and pain between our two peoples. Anton, I, I've known you to be very motivated and you clearly have a lot of direction and you seem to follow through with what you aspire to do. But you can't be blind. You can't, you can't miss that you are what fate has woven us as a savior. Think about our enemies in Glory Wake. The orcs have always been a thorn in our side. And he points his arm in the direction of Jarzak, who's got Agarak unloading crates of, of bread and things like that for the people. And Jarzak's overlooking it and kind of like giving nods to people as they come up to get food. And he says, look at who is in charge. You have an opportunity to change the minds of our people and theirs and broker peace and potentially even an alliance that no one would question. If anybody else were to become the high priest, the theocrat, or take over, would they be so willing to work along Jarzak? Or would their heart be jaded by the pain of it? Again, I implore you to understand that you might be the only one with the perspective, the capacity to understand how important looking past your differences is. You might be the only one who has the perspective and the understanding to really appreciate peace. Again, a long time ago, I was in a different position. I was cursed, and I had very little to look forward to and very little in my life. But it was reaching that point of rock bottom and being saved that gave me the appreciation I have for being alive. It's the reason why I've looked towards everything you've done as a mentor, and I've followed in your footsteps ever since I met you. If anybody can be seen as salvation or a beacon of hope, it's you. Against all odds, you've persevered. You have stood in the mouth of all that is chaos and pain 
and you persevered. Sure, you've had friends along the way, but you've never given up hope and you've never stopped thinking of us. And for that reason, I think you might be the very heartbeat and soul of Glory Wake itself. Again, nobody can make you rule. And if it is the case, he will lead us until we get home. And so be it. But what position would you be more rightfully adept to fill? You are Glory Wake. Whatever your birthright may be, wherever you may truly be from. I think it's safe to say you've always been of Glory Wake and you always will be. The people of Glory Wake recognize that from the lowly to the high priest himself. And so I just think that perhaps you should reconsider. But I, I won't press the issue any more than I already have. Well, let's take that... a day at a time, Sharice. There are many things that you may not know of, and putting everyone's hope in one person is dangerous. I cannot promise that I'll even be here to the time when you reach Glory Wake, Sharice. Things are in much more dire straits. I think everyone understands. On that, he gives sort of a resigned look and he says, I understand. But it is not often many people are freed from such a position and it's not often that many people get to meet their hero. So perhaps St. Anton can uh, say hello to some of the children tonight. And he clasps that hand on your shoulder and he says, please try to smile tonight. Enjoy yourself and the peace you've brought to these people, even if only for just tonight. And with that, he walks away, helping with the rest of the priests to move the high priest's body. And so with that, I mean, the, the cave here is filled with the sound of people happily eating and communicating amongst themselves. Confused, strange, but happy to finally have some sense of peace. Even as if like a startled animal being given food, as if like afraid of that which has given them the food, but slowly over time learning comfort through the peace that has followed. And with that, people start to talk at more of a room volume. And before you know it, this chamber starts to feel more like a giant open beer hall rather than a cave. And people seem to be at a state of peace. So what would you guys like to do now? Uh, does Klika spot Jezor in anywhere? No. And Klika go around inquiring if anyone has seen Jezorn. I mean, after about an hour or so of asking around about it, you find one old dusty-looking grognard of a guy, and he himself doesn't look very long for this world either, but 
when you ask about Jezorn, he lets out sort of a uh, very inappropriate word that he uses to describe him and chuckles a bit under his breath. And he said, I think he took out about uh, maybe 10, 15 orcs before he died. He held the church. He fought with a blade when his bowstring snapped. And he fought with his fist when he dropped the sword. He died. But he died fighting for his people. And I think that's the best we could have ever hoped for a man like Jezorn. Oh, um, well, thank you for letting Kleeka know. And Kleeka just sort of grabs the cape that's been wrapped around her for quite a while now and just sort of walks off into the crowd. I think like they'll probably head back to the boat. Walks all the way back to the airship? Yep. Damn. Damn, Klika is like out, out. <laughs> I mean, do you make it known to anybody? Nope. Oh, boy. Is Norhill keeping tabs on anyone? Norhill seems like is the DD Nor- around Norhill's here. Norhill's kind of like you know, uh, walking around, yeah, you know, waving to people, shaking hands, making small talk, it's just being seen, you know. Yeah, you know, if anybody like He's asks, to make a good name somebody, for the dwarves. Like, like you know, if he does, like you know, people ask him stuff, like he doesn't lie, but he tries to you know match the relatively good cheer that eventually takes over. I mean, many of these people haven't seen a dwarf in a long, long time. You know, and the last they knew of it was the dwarven halls were closed off. So seeing you again, because I know you were in Glory Wake, but you weren't shaking hands with half the like half the townsfolk. And these aren't soldiers. These are like, you know, children, families. You know what I mean? And so, uh, yeah, it's just all children, just 800 children, just Glory Wake elementary school. Okay. Um, But <laughs> Glory Wake primary. Um, But with that. Yeah, so people are just kind of, one, astonished to be meeting a dwarf, let alone Lord of the Halls. And so people are, again, meeting like living legends. Like, this is the salvation people in these sort of dire straits, like, pray for. And with this, we have literally two kings walking around in here and St. Anton himself. You know what I mean? Child of Destiny came and asked a sad question and walked out with a juice box. So... (laughs) But, yeah, and Nor- Norhill will also share a couple of the stories about everything that uh, Anton did to help the dwarves in their time of need. So yeah, he he's not fighting against you know this whole Saint Anton thing even in the slightest. Oh, no. uh, he, he might he might even be like secondarily encouraging it. I was going to say, St. Anton was the name given to him by the dwarves themselves after the mud pie incident. So, and the yeah, holy works. Had that whole, whole speech about how he is a saint. And he ought to, I was going to bring that up. Lean but... into that. He does look like the redhead Santa Claus. It's more home diversion. Oh, shit. It's St. Nick. St. Ant. Anton Claus. Uh, but yeah, so. Santa Claus. Yeah, yeah, so Norhill will do that until, you know, eventually we're ready to move on. Yeah, and I will say, since Kleeka left and Anton, I don't even know what Anton's up to. What is Anton up to after all that? Does he go back with Kleeka too? 
Because there's almost a part of me that feels like Anton could have walked off almost as if like the gravity of being savior and having all of these people be like, well, now what do we do? And Anton's just like, I have separation anxiety. I don't need this shit. <laughs> well, he's got survivor's guilt already. And he's like, nope. No, I'm not in charge. He's like, I did my part. Now you're off my mind. But no, yeah, no it's I, not even. I feel like it's not the right direction it's coming from. It's coming from like he doesn't want to be seen as like like he's trying to learn more from maybe things that possibly the high priest didn't do well, and try to set these people on a better path. And he's like thinking well, like a like an alliance with the orcs, a, maybe a different even form of government, which he can't even fathom yet because he's more thinking he doesn't even know if like. The realm is going to exist. Democracy. <laughs> so itself. Yeah, now you got to go meet so. with Norhill and be like, "Hey, Norhill, just you and Jarzak are both like being in charge is hard. How have you done it?" And then Norhill fills up the mug. <laughs> He's just like, "Well, I go on giant, long, expansive vacations and tell my family and people I'm busy, and I'll be back in a couple months." <laughs> He's like, "How do I do it?" A steward. <laughs> he's like get some idiot to take over while you're gone no I, I think is a life he's concerned because he he's like he wants to do everything he can for his people about the same time they have a mission for the entire state of their existence that must be completed as well but he wants to make sure if he heads out with the gang for a little while they're not put simply back in chains while he's not looking. That's like hey, his biggest hey, concern. Just the orcs <laughs> chaining him no, up again. Seriously, that's his concern because he's like, he's like, I still, he's like, I want to get them out of here, but he's like, we still have to get that piece with the dragon Direct. too, because I could bring see. them home all I want, but if the if the entire physical aspect of our world is destroyed, then bringing them home is worthless. True. And I imagine looking over and seeing Agarak sort of towering over Jarzak and following his directions, not reluctantly, but like, you know, seeing that and looking at it and thinking about an alliance with the orcs and you're like, well, you know what would suck? <laughs> like, I can ally myself with Jarzak, but what happens when he gets killed and all of a sudden there's a new reign of orc leadership and our people have relied on them all these... You know what I mean? I can see yeah. why Anton would be like, this is a difficult game now, and all of a sudden I'm in charge of a thousand people when I used to be in charge of me. Me. <laughs> yeah, so I think he's just trying to like take this in small bits, and he's like, right now I just want to make sure they're fed and well as, as healthy as I can, and if there are people who, like the high priest, are, are just trying to hold on to kind of give them that peace that if they can't hold on much longer that it's okay and they can go no. i mean don't forget too that the last thing that the high priest did politically speaking was i mean he was he made his people into a sovereign state like they said a big middle finger to the queen this is before anybody knew what the queen truly was and when the queen refused to help them they're like well what good are you as a queen what good are you as leadership and the priest just sort of like called himself lord of his people and you know so i'm like the last thing he did was definitely a, you know kind of a dramatic event so you can see why some people might have looked at it and been like holy shit 
but I hope Anton also recognizes that like that was a man of action right there. That guy just like went with his gut, followed his faith, said, I won't stand by this. And he figured what was right was to try to protect his people by not falling for whatever the queen had in store. And apparently he hedged his bet correctly, but he didn't really prepare for the orcs. I, I think that might have been his downfall, but you know, just good old Monday morning high priest claims here, you know? But, yeah. I so. think now he just needs to, like, I think he wants to find time for the pl- the party to continue with the rest of their quest and hopefully leave his people in good states for at least a day or two. I don't know how long it'll take us to do the mountain. Well, good thing you got a flying boat. Yeah. But that's what he's also yeah. too. He doesn't know if he's gonna go to his mountain and die. <laughs> so he's like Dragon's been waiting this whole time. I don't know. He could, <laughs> he could, he could, he could totally die. So I'm just like, I don't want to be like, I'm gonna be your king, and then you're dead two days later. <laughs> so my first yeah. Alright. So suppose when Klika goes back. The first mate is sort of waiting on deck and sees the place has been originally surrounded by orcs, but the orcs left. So the first mate, the lucky dog, when Klika arrives and starts to climb up the rope ladder there, first mate and the gnomes are all just like, why are there orcs gone now? And what was all that cheering? Where have you been? Um, Jarzax, the king now. He killed his brother. And on kind of honorable combat, like is not really sure. Like it was I, but with that, the first mate just looks astonished, and then he starts looking around at the crew, and they're all just like, "Oh, uh, okay, then why are you here?" Um, Anton and Jarzak and Norhill, we all went to find out where the people from glory wake were being held and now they're being released and they're gonna get sent home clica thanks um but clica just wanted to kind of get away from all that for a bit uh clica's just gonna go down to her room but the others will be by the first mate kind of steps in front of you for a second. He says, whoa, 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 whoa. He says, I have seen that look before. It's the captain. He had that same look in his eyes. And I, I, uh, looking at Clico probably welling up with tears being caught in the middle of having feelings. And he's like, you go ahead and do that. I think Ock and Yigalith are probably well, Doc has been playing stones with every gnome on this ship. You know, he really has to get a new hobby. But I, uh, any, I digress. Yeah. Um, has has I'll he tell won to leave at all yet? No, he's awful at it. And we're sick of playing against him because we're just afraid he's going to start getting good. But he's just, he's not learning. He, you know, either way, you go ahead and take your, take your time down there. I'll tell everybody to leave you alone. Thanks, Conrad. And Clickle will head down 
below deck. Wrap her uh, cloak over her in her bed and go to sleep. Sort of just staring at the wall till she passes out. Because I imagine the bunks are built into the wall in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so over the next few days, plans are devised for taking a lot of boats, uh, sort of like long ships, filling them with as many people from Glory Wake as possible and taking them with supplies and whatnot across the strait and bringing them back to Glory Wake. They're planning on taking quite a few ships with resources to sort of build up battlements as well as like gear for preparing these people. Um, I will say many orcs are reluctant to go on this journey, but being emblazoned by Jarzak's sort of battle cry to take back the land and do what his brother was too cowardly to do and oppose that which guarantees them death, promising a glory, a lot, a lot of glory in fighting and losing. Um, the people reluctantly agree to go along. And so with that, a great departure, mass exodus of all the people of Glory Wake returning home to what could be called their home. And as they leave a few days later, Shereel approaches Anton again and gives him a hug and says, Saint Anton, Anton from Glory Wake, or that guy at the bar that tried not to kill me when I was invisible and covered in flour. Whoever you may be, and whoever you may be when I see you next, I'll always consider you my friend. I've learned a lot from you, and I hope maybe you've learned something from every one of us. Always, my friend, and he puts his hand on his shoulder, he's like, I have more I must do for the state of Amaroth and our reality as we see it, but in this time, I trust you to make the best judgment and keep our people safe and free. I trust you to this. I am going to return, but for now, I apologize. I cannot be at your side. And he says, I'm more than willing to act as steward for the time being, and I'm more than willing to stand in your place and make these decisions, but as of right now, you need to at least confirm to some extent that when you arrive, you will be in charge. For they will not recognize me as I'm not the highest ranking member of the organized church. I'm more than willing to, to do my best for now. But I at least need you to agree to this. He gives a solemn nod and he says... When the boats are loaded and ready to depart, I will announce this. Well, luckily for you, that's right now. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> like, kind of oh. Time, oh, no. How many boats are there? Like, what kind of a lot. Like, a like, lot. They can, each boat probably fits very cramped. And luckily, it's not a very long trip there. But taking these long boats, it's probably a series about 15 of them. 20 of them to get everybody across. And that's not considering how many orcs are going to be coming over after and with supplies. So it's, this is like the armada of the orcs. Like this is the grandest move of all of them. Again, terrifying from the orcs perspective to be leaving themselves so available to anything like this, but 
Jarzak's just a really good liar. He's like, no, they have great ice cream there. Come on, guys, let's go. You wouldn't lie to us, would you? Two scoops for the price of one. We gotta go. Jarzak, you're crossing your fingers in the front again. Oh, like stupid glove. <laughs> but okay, so I imagine as Shereel goes to get on his vessel, um, maybe Anton makes an appearance if that's what you were trying to do. Yeah. Okay. So Anton appears. He could make it. I don't have any spells that can like boom. Actually, wait. Do I? No. Thaumaturgy. Do I have thaumaturgy though? I don't think I do. I mean, you can also shout. It's not going to be impossible. Oh, okay. It would be kind of sad if nobody could hear you though, and they're like, "Yeah, What's no, that's, I'm like, I don't think I can. I'll, I'll, I'll attempt this." Uh, so I'm going to kind of ad lib this and hypothetically, but. Uh, it'll just say something along the lines of my people have brought you this far I hope you're willing to go farther with me to lead us to a great place understanding the state we're in and when I return to our homeland I will take the lead at this time, I have other duties that must be attained to to make sure our world is safe. Safe for us and safe for everyone who is inhabiting it. In that time, Sharice will guide you with my guidance to the best and safest and freest way to be. And when I return, we will only make it greater. And I promise they will return. So would that people look sort of solemn hearing this, but look, I would say a little bit more comfortable and confident to hear from your last political speech where you just yelled no at everybody when they were chanting your name. This seems like maybe you've had the time to think it over. And even if reluctantly, it looks like you're at least taking responsibility for these people and taking charge as if doing the right thing, even if it's not the thing you wanted to do. And I think people recognize it and respect it more than if you were just like, I don't know, pretending to be happy about it. You know what I mean? So with that, the ships leave Gorgorethian shores and head through over the strait on their way to glory wake. And so with that, the party rejoined the crew on the flying wave wraith. And as the ship is fully propped and ready to go, what is the plan for our vessel? Are we hoping to just go directly to the volcano, float over it and just jump down army style? How did Jarzak uh, enter the mountain when he went? I mean, I imagine Jarzak probably went through a chimney. Like some sort of a, a gas vent that they were able to find. 
But Jarzak also knows that that probably popped him into like the forge itself, which is definitely not a safe move. But it seems like he might be able to retrace his steps. But how did we leave? Presumably not through the same entrance. No, I imagine Jarzak probably took the longest potential route running up into the mines and then potentially running up and into sort of the caldera, the sort of lava pit at the top, crawling over the rocks and just running the whole way home. That way will probably be our safest bet. Hoping that that entrance is still open and the dragon has done nothing about it since then. Yeah, and from what Jarzak knows of this location, it is like functionally like the living, the dwelling of of quite a few people, if you'd call them that. I imagine Jarzak's memory of this is kind of hazy, and he probably survived by not encountering many people, but he does oh. know that many of the residents were the Azir, the uh, strange dwarfish-looking, you know, elemental fire people there, as well as a few salamanders, as well as a couple of fire giants. But this place operated more as a factory rather than like just a casual dwelling. This was just definitely a core of our, industry. We'll definitely have our fair share of fights in that case. Probably. And you know, one way or another, we're going to need to provoke the dragon. So what better way than breaking in and killing its minions? And that also leaves the question, though. who carries the piece of the gate? Who braves the dragon's fire in, hopes, in the hopes that the gnome's protection works? When the gnome yells, I heard that. That is a very good question, though. I think it volunteering. If Clico wishes, then I am not one to argue. Nor he'll just wipe and sweat off his brow like, oh, thank God. He's like, because I would not have said not at first. No, Nor he's too lawful good for that. Nobody's going to stand in there and try to get in the, the way of the flame before Clica. Damn. You guys are cold. Jarzak <laughs> uh, as a king is just like, I already fought that dragon once. I ain't fucking with that thing again. It probably knows who I am. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather not, but I can uh, maybe help out Clica get in there quick. Anson's, Anson's good with fire, but he ain't fireproof. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that's why we have the potion. We have one dose of the potion for one person. So... One person needs to go in there holding the piece of the gate inside of its little mold and be like, hey, ancient red dragon, breathe your primordial fire on me and hope hope you don't die. Don't, don't forget about how long the potion lasts, too. Because if you guys oh, yeah, run in that. there and guzzle a potion in front of this ancient primordial red dragon, he's probably going to know something that is the fuck up and be like, how long does that potion last exactly? 
and just sit there staring at you like mm. like it's just holding the mold and the thing above her head like yeah like yeah uh-huh super long time mm. <laughs> yeah and yeah that's why norhill is actually like not that bothered about potentially needing to fight through a bunch of dangerous stuff uh, because that, that will probably get the dragon nice and angry and not thinking about that sort of thing. True, true. And you do have to kind of consider red dragons and what you might have to do to piss it off to the point that it's not acting smart. But then again, this dragon hasn't lived to this age by being a big hothead, no pun intended. <laughs> Uh, but if Klika wishes to volunteer again, I shall not argue with her. Even should something go wrong, I trust in her powers of fate to somehow pull us through. She's got a wishbone up her butt. <laughs> somehow always gets out of everything alive. I don't... Cast in talking points. I see you. Go ahead, Just my confirming. true sight. Para- right my, my parapet, that won't do anything for her, right? No, the periapt is just for wound closure. Can't, can't talk today. Uh, a lot of interesting flexes on the names of the characters and items in this episode, such as Conrail being called Conrad, Shereel <laughs> being called Sharice, and the parapet. <laughs> You know, I get it. I, I understand. I fully accept after looking at the, 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 you know, the whole Excel sheet of all the character names in this campaign. I get it. There's a lot. Even I have to reference the sheet. But it's a little funny sometimes when I hear somebody mention Sharice. I'm like, wait, who the fuck is Sharice? I mean, like, yes, some random guy in the audience who's just like eating a sausage named Sharice is just like, <laughs> like, he will lead you. And no, like, there, 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 there's somebody out there listening getting uh, real unhappy that we can't get character names right. There's just one gnome named Conrad. <laughs> like, oh, me. But, <laughs> but no, I'm just kidding. That's because she bit um, her tongue when she was because she was crying. So you guys are being awfully rude to Klika right now. Anton has no excuse, but Klika does. <laughs> but uh, with that aside. No, it it definitely seems like there's really no gear to protect you guys in this case, other than great and powerful magics, assuming this dragon doesn't know how to dispel magic. From what you guys know of dragons, I mean, they are one with magic. So many of them cast as sorcerers do. So who knows? Maybe it can blink as well and just pop in the same dimension as Klika and be like, well, well. Hello there. That's all right. It only happens at the end of their turn anyway. So they all they all have used all their actions no matter what. Thank you. Well, good thing I got legendary actions. But the point is, is that uh that's a terrifying thought as a blinking red dragon. But either way, so the plan is for the party to swoop around the top of the volcano, hopefully find a way in and send Kalika into the pit. Yeah. Okay. Sounds like it. All right. And so as the uh, party begin to head in that direction, uh, with the morning light sort of coming, dying down, the question arises, did you guys want to go in here after hours at nighttime, or did you want to go in in daylight? 
Netflix is always preferring daylight, but I don't. Whatever is more advantageous to a red dragon, possibly. Truthfully, I do not think it matters, uh, but daylight would give us the greater advantage because we don't need to worry about moving around in the dark. We'll also be underground. Assumedly. We'll make things slightly easier for us during certain stages of the plan. (laughs) All right. So with that, the... uh... The uh, crew take it easy and take a very long-winded way around, no pun intended, um, to the volcano's uh, mouth, coming in at daylight at the first crack of morning light. And, yeah, as as our flying wave wraith seems to circle over the volcano, can I get a perception check from everybody? Uh, got a 16. 18. We're all peeping good today. What did Anton get? 21. What did Jarzak get? 7. Yep, we're all doing good today. So, with that as the group circle over the uh, volcano, and you guys can see the bubbling and, and rolling and toiling magma with inside, um, Anton, as he looks down in there and recognizes the noxious gas and the heat rising from this is nearly enough to boil and pop the balloons. The the airplane here uh-huh, uh, starts to circle around it. But as you guys do and look down in there for a good entrance, and you can see there's a couple of sort of little platformy landings here, a couple little balconies over the lava, uh, the magma rather, that you guys can land on and sort of enter through as there's a couple of like little cavernous entrances on either of them as if sort of built into the cave, uh, like the ledges. Um, Anton, however, looking over the edge and as everybody seems to be praying to whichever gods they adhere to, um, Anton could swear that as he looks down into the, the roiling magma here, that there appears to be something of like a blurred image, something of like a reflection, almost as if the lava were water and you could see some reflected, like refracted image underneath. But for a second, you could swear that you saw like some strange veiled image of a serpentine eye beneath the surface blink once as if one gigantic lava coated mirror was looking back at you. And as it blinks once intelligently, you feel your spine kind of tingle a little bit and the hair stand up as you feel like something's been watching you and looking right back at you as you look down. And that is where we're going to end it. Hey everyone, I want to thank you all for listening to another episode of the podcast. It really means a lot to me to have everybody listening in. And if you have anything you'd like to say, any comments or anything like that, shoot me a tweet over at ygrognard on Twitter, or you can even send me an email at youngbrognard at gmail.com. I look forward to everything you guys have to say, and it's always a pleasure to engage with anybody listening to the show. And as always, be sure to keep things... Dungeons. Dungeons.